0: homily four of homilies on second timothy by st john chrysostom this libavox recording is in the public domain second timothy two verses one through seven thou therefore my son be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also thou therefore Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboureth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. The young sailor at sea is inspired with great confidence if the master of the ship has been preserved in a shipwreck, for he will not consider that it is from his inexperience that he is exposed to the storm, but from the nature of things, and this has no little effect upon his mind. In war also the captain who sees his general wounded and recovered again is much encouraged, and thus it produces some consolation to the faithful that the apostle should have been exposed to great sufferings, and not rendered weak by the utmost of them. And had it not been so, he would not have related his sufferings. For when Timothy heard that he who possessed so great powers, who had conquered the whole world, is a prisoner and afflicted, yet is not impatient nor discontented upon the desertion of his friends, he, if ever exposed to the same sufferings himself, would not consider that it proceeded from human weakness, nor from the circumstance of his being a disciple and inferior to Paul, since his teacher too suffered the like. But that all this happened from the natural course of things. For Paul himself did this, and related what had befallen him, that he might strengthen Timothy and renew his courage. And he shows that it was for this reason he mentioned his trials and afflictions, and that he has added, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What sayest thou? Thou hast shaken us with terrors. Thou hast told us that thou art in chains in afflictions. That all have forsaken thee. And as if thou hadst said, Thou hadst not suffered anything, nor been abandoned by any, thou addest, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. And justly too, For these things were to thy strengthening more than to his. For if I, Paul, endure these things, much more oughtest thou to bear them. If the master, much more the disciple. And this exhortation he induces with much affection, calling him son. And not only so, but my son. If thou art a son, he means, imitate thy father. If thou art a son, be strong in consideration of the things which I have said or rather be strong, not merely from what I have told you, but of God. Be strong, he says, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, that is, through the grace of Christ, that is, stand firmly. Thou knowest the battle, for elsewhere, he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And this, he says, not to depress, but to excite them. Be sober, therefore, he means, and watch. Have the grace of the Lord cooperating with thee, and abiding thee in thy contest contribute thine own part with much alacrity and resolution and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same commit thou to faithful men to faithful men not to questioners nor to reasoners to faithful how faithful such as betray not the gospel they should preach the things which thou hast heard not which thou hast searched out For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But wherefore among many witnesses? As if he had said, Thou hast not heard in secret, nor apart, but in the presence of many, with all openness of speech. Nor does he say, Tell, but commit, as a treasure committed is deposited in safety. Again he alarms his disciple, both from things above and things below. But he says not only, commit, to faithful men. For of what advantage is it that one is faithful, if he is not able to convey his doctrine to others, when he does not indeed betray the faith, but does not render others faithful? The teacher, therefore, ought to have two qualities, to be both faithful and apt to teach. Wherefore he says, Who shall be able to teach others also? Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Oh, how great a dignity is this, to be a soldier of Jesus Christ. Observe the kings on earth. How great an honor it is esteemed to serve under them. If, therefore, the soldier of the king ought to endure hardness, not to endure hardness is not the part of any soldier, so that it behooves thee not to complain if thou endurest hardness for that is the part of a soldier, but to complain if thou dost not endure hardness. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. These things are said to Timothy, but through him they are added to every teacher and disciple. Let no one, therefore, of those who hold the office of a bishop disdain to hear these things but let him be ashamed not to do them if any one strive for masteries he says he is not crowned except he strive lawfully what is meant by lawfully it is not enough that he enters into the lists that he is anointed and even engages unless he comply with all the laws of the exercise with respect to diet to temperance and sobriety and all the rules of the wrestling school, unless, in short, he go through all that is befitting for a wrestler, he is not crowned, and observe the wisdom of Paul. He mentions wrestlers and soldiers, the one to prepare him for slaughter and blood, the other with reference to endurance, that he might bear everything with fortitude, and be ever in exercise. The husbandman that laboureth must be first partaker of the fruits, He had first spoken from his own example as a teacher. He now speaks from those that are more common, as wrestlers and soldiers. And in their case, he sets before them the rewards. First, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Secondly, that he may be crowned. Now he proposes a third example, and that more particularly suits himself. For the instance of the soldier and the wrestler corresponds to those who are under rule but that of the husbandman to the teacher. Strive not as a soldier or a wrestler only, but as a husbandman too. A husbandman takes care not of himself alone, but of the fruits of the earth. That is, no little reward of his labors is enjoyed by the husbandman. Here he both shows that to God nothing is wanting and that there is a reward for teaching, which he shows by a common instance. As the husbandman, he says, does not labor without profit, but enjoys before others the fruit of his own toils. So is it fit that the teacher should do. Either he means this, or he is speaking of the honor to be paid to teachers. But this is less consistent. For why does he not say the husbandman simply, but him that laboreth? Not only that worketh, but that is worn with toil. And here, with reference to the delay of reward, that no one may be impatient, he says. Thou reapest the fruit already, or there is a reward in the labor itself. When, therefore, he has set before him the examples of soldiers, of wrestlers, of husbandmen, and all figuratively, no one, he says, is crowned except he strive lawfully. And having observed that the husbandman who laboureth must first be partaker of the fruits, he adds, consider what I say, That the Lord give thee understanding in all things. It is on this account that he has spoken these things in proverb and parable. Then again, to show his affectionate disposition, he ceases not to pray for him. As fearing for his own son, he says, verses 8 and 9, Remember that Jesus Christ, of the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. On what account is this mentioned? It is directed chiefly against the heretics, at the same time to encourage Timothy by showing the advantage of suffering, since Christ, our Master, himself overcame death by suffering. Remember this, he says, that thou wilt have sufficient comfort. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, for upon that point many had already begun to subvert the dispensation being ashamed at the immensity of God's love to mankind. For of such a nature are the benefits which God has conferred upon us, that men were ashamed to ascribe them to God, and could not believe he had so far condescended. According to my gospel. Thus he everywhere speaks in his epistles, saying, According to my gospel, either because they were bound to believe him, or because there were some who preached another gospel. Wherein I suffer trouble, he says, as an evildoer, even unto bonds. Again, he introduces consolation and encouragement from himself, and he prepares his hearer's mind with these two things. First, that he should know him to endure hardness, and secondly, that he did not so but for a useful purpose. For in this case he will gain, and the other will even suffer harm. For what advantage is it? that you can show that a teacher has exposed himself to hardship but not for any useful purpose but if it is for any benefit if for the profit of those who are taught then it is worthy of admiration but the word of god is not bound that is if we were soldiers of this world and waged in earthly warfare the chains that confine our hands would avail but now god has made us such that nothing can subdue us For our hands are bound, but not our tongue, since nothing can bind the tongue but cowardice and unbelief alone. And where these are not, though you fashion chains upon us, the preaching of the gospel is not bound. If indeed you bind husbandmen, you prevent his sowing, for he sows with his hand. But if you bind a teacher, you hinder not the word. For it is sown with his tongue, not with his hand our word therefore is not subject to bonds for though we are bound that is free and runs its course how because though bound behold we preach this is for the encouragement of those that are free for if we that are bound preach much more does it behoove you that are loose to do so you have heard that i suffer these things as an evildoer be not dejected for it is a great wonder that being bound I do the work of those that are free, and being bound, I overcome all, that being bound, I prevail over those that bound me. For it is the word of God, not ours. Human chains cannot bind the word of God. These things I suffer on account of the elect. Verse 10. Therefore I endure all things, he says, for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Behold another incentive. I endure these things, he says, not for myself but for the salvation of others. It was in my power to have lived free from danger, to have suffered none of these things, if I had consulted my own interest. On what account then do I suffer these things, for the good of others, that others may obtain eternal life? What then dost thou promise thyself? He has not said, simply on account of these particular persons, but for the elect's sake. If God has chosen them, it becomes us to suffer everything for their sakes, that they also may obtain salvation. By saying they also, he means as well as we. For God hath chosen us also, and as God suffered for our sakes, so should we suffer for their sakes. Thus it is a matter of retribution, not of favor. On the part of God it was grace, for he having received no previous benefit hath done us good but on our parts, it is retribution we having previously received benefits from god suffer for these for whom we suffer in order that they may obtain salvation what sayest thou what salvation art thou who wast not the author of salvation to thyself but wast destroying thyself art thou the author of salvation to others surely not and therefore he adds salvation that is in christ jesus that which is truly salvation with eternal glory present things are afflictive but they are but on earth present things are ignomious but they are temporary they are full of bitterness and pain but they last only today and tomorrow such is not the nature of the good things they are eternal they are in heaven that is truly glory this is dishonor For observe i pray beloved that it is not glory which is on earth the true glory is in heaven but if any one would be glorified let him be dishonored if he would obtain rest let him suffer affliction if any one would be forever illustrious would enjoy pleasure let him despise temporal things and that dishonor is glory and glory dishonor let us now set before us to the best of our power that we may see what is real glory. It is not possible to be glorified upon earth. If thou wouldst be glorified, it must be through dishonor. And let us prove this in the examples of two persons, Nero and Paul. The one had the glory of this world, the other the dishonor. How? The first was a tyrant, had obtained great success, had raised many trophies, had wealth ever flowing in, "'numerous armies everywhere. "'He had the greater part of the world "'and the imperial city subject to his sway, "'the whole senate crouching to him, "'and his palace, too, was advancing with splendid show. "'When he must be armed, "'he went forth arrayed in gold and precious stones. "'When he was to sit still in peace, "'he sat clothed in robes of purple. "'He was surrounded by numerous guards and attendants. "'He was called the Lord of Land and Sea.' emperor augustus caesar king and other such high-sounding names as implied flattery and courtship and nothing was wanting that might tend to glory even wise men and potentates and sovereigns trembled at him for beside all this he was said to be a cruel and violent man he even wished to be thought a god and he despised both all the idols and the very god who is over all he was worshipped as a god What greater glory than this, or rather, what greater dishonor? For I know not how my tongue is carried away by the force of truth and passes sentence before judgment. Meanwhile, let us examine the matter according to the opinion of the multitude and of the unbelievers and the estimation of flattery. What is greater in the common estimation of glory than to be reputed a god? It is indeed a great disgrace, that any human being should be so mad, but for the present, let us consider the matter according to the opinion of the multitude. Nothing then was wanting to him that contributes to human glory, but he was worshipped by all as a god. Now, in opposition to him, let us consider Paul. He was a Cilician, and the difference between Rome and Cilicia all know. He was a tent-maker, a poor man, unskilled in the wisdom of those without knowing only the hebrew tongue a language despised by all especially by the italians for they do not so much despise the barbarian the greek or any other tongue as the syriac and this has affinity with the hebrew no wonder at this for if they despise the greek which is so admirable and beautiful much more the hebrew he was a man that often lived in hunger often went to bed without food a man that was naked and had not clothes to put on in cold and nakedness, as he says of himself. Nor was this all, but he was cast into prison at the command of Nero himself, and confined with robbers, with impostors, with gravebreakers, and murderers. And he was, as he himself says, scourged as a malefactor. Who then is the more illustrious? The name of the one, the greater part, have never heard of. The other is daily celebrated by Greeks and barbarians and Scythians and those who inhabit the extremities of the earth. But let us not yet consider what is the case now, but even at that time who was the more illustrious, who the more glorious, he that was in chains and dragged bound from prison, or he that was clothed in purple robe and walked forth from a palace. The prisoner, certainly, for the other who had armies at his command and sat arrayed in purple was not able to do what he would. But the prisoner, that was like a malefactor and in mean entire could do everything with more authority how the one said do not disseminate the word of god the other said i cannot forbear the word of god is not bound thus the sicilian the prisoner the poor tent maker who lived in hunger despised the roman rich as he was an emperor and ruling over all who enriched so many thousands And with all his army he availed nothing. Who then was illustrious? Who venerable? He that in chains was a conqueror, or he that in a purple robe was conquered? He that standing below smote, or he that sitting above was smitten? He that commanded and was despised, or he who was commanded and made no account of the commands? He who being alone was victorious, or he who with numerous armies was defeated? The king, therefore, so came off that his prisoner triumphed over him. Tell me then on whose side you would be. For do not look to what comes afterwards, but to what was then their state. Would you be on the side of Nero or of Paul? I speak not according to the estimates of faith, for that is manifest, but according to the estimate of glory and reverence and preeminence. Any man of right understanding would say, on the side of Paul. For if to conquer is more illustrious than to be conquered, he is more glorious. And this is not yet much, that he conquered, but that being in so mean a state, he conquered one in so exalted a condition. For I say, and will not cease to repeat it, though bound with a chain, yet he smote him that was invested with a diadem. Such is the power of Christ. The chain surpassed the kingly crown, and this apparel was shown more brilliant than that clothed in filthy rags as the inhabitant of a prison he turned all eyes upon the chains that hung on him rather than on the purple robe he stood on earth bound down and stooping low and all left the tyrant mounted on a golden chariot to gaze on him and well they might for it was customary to see the king with white horses but it was a strange and unwonted sight to behold a prisoner conversing with a king with as much confidence as a king would converse with a pitiful and wretched slave surrounding multitude were all slaves of the king yet they admired not their lord but him who was superior to their lord and he before whom all feared and trembled was trampled upon by one solitary man see then how great was the brightness of these very chains and what need to mention what followed after these things the tomb of the one is nowhere to be seen but the other lies in the royal city itself in greater splendor than any king even there where he conquered, where he raised his trophy. If mention is made of the one, it is with reproach, even among his kindred. For he is said to have been profiligate, but the memory of the other is everywhere accompanied with a good report, not among us only, but among his enemies. For when truth shines forth, it puts to shame even one's enemies. And if they admire him not for his faith, yet they admire him for his boldness and his manly freedom. The one is proclaimed by all mouths, as one that is crowned, the other is loaded with reproaches and accusations, which then is the real splendor. And yet I am but praising the lion for his talents, when I ought to be speaking of his real honors. And what are these, those in the heavens? How will he come in a shining vesture with the king of heaven? how will nero stand then mournful and dejected and if what i say seems to thee incredible and ridiculous thou art ridiculous for deriding that which is no subject for laughter for if thou disbelievest the future be convinced from what is past the season for being crowned is not yet come and yet how great honor has the combatant gained what honor then will he not obtain when the distributor of the prizes shall come he was among foreigners a stranger and a sojourner and thus is he admired what good will he will not enjoy when he is amongst his own now our life is hid with christ and god yet he who is dead worketh more and is more honoured than the living when that our life shall come what will he not participate what will he not obtain on this account god made him enjoy these honours not because he wanted them For if when in the body he despised popular glory, much more will he despise it now that he has been delivered from the body. Nor only on this account has he caused him to enjoy honor, but that those who disbelieve the future may be convinced from the present. I say that when the resurrection shall be, Paul will come with the King of Heaven and will enjoy infinite blessings. But the unbeliever will not be convinced. Let him believe then from the present. The tent maker is more illustrious, more honored than the king. No emperor of Rome ever enjoyed so great honor. The emperor is cast out and lies. No one knows where. The tent maker occupies in the midst of the city as if he were a king and living. From these things believe, even with respect to the future. If he enjoys so great honor here, where he was persecuted and banished, what will he not be when he shall come hereafter? If when he was a tent-maker he was so illustrious, what will he be when he shall come rivalling the beams of the sun? If in so much meanness he overcame such magnificence, to whom at his coming will he not be superior? Can we avoid the conclusion? Who is not moved by the fact that a tent-maker became more honourable than the most honoured of kings? If here things happened, so beyond the course of nature, much more will it be so hereafter. If thou wilt not believe the future, O man, believe the present. If thou wilt not believe invisible things, believe things that are seen, or rather believe things which are seen. For so thou wilt believe things which are invisible. But if thou wilt not, we may fitly say with the Apostle, We are pure from your blood. For we have testified to you of all things, and have left nothing that we should not have said. Blame yourselves, therefore, and to yourselves will ye repute the punishment of hell. But let us, my beloved children, be imitators of Paul, not in his faith only, but in his life, that we may attain to heavenly glory and trample upon the glory that is here. Let not any things present attract us. Let us despise visible things, that we may obtain heavenly things, or rather may through these obtain the others. But let it be our aim preeminently to obtain those of which God grant that we may be all accounted worthy through the grace and loving kindness, etc. End of homily 4.